This is the Living in Mid-Bloom podcast, lighthearted and heartfelt conversations about what it looks like to live, heal, and blossom in middle age. I'm your host, April Pruitt. Let's get our bloom on. Do you guys remember that song? Because I know all of us mid-bloomers were around the same age and One of my favorite songs was by Carol King. You've got a friend. Love it. Love it. Winter, spring, summer, or fall. All you have to do is call. And I'll be there. Yes, I will. You've got a friend, ain't it good to know you've got a friend? Love it, love it, love it. So, hey, mid-bloomers, this is my last episode for my first season of my podcast, episode 24, and I am still just overwhelmed for the support that you've been giving me. It is really just uh, amazing, amazing. And I thought, as I said the last week or so, that I want to focus on friendship. It's such a huge part of our lives. And especially, I think, as we get older, there are a lot of us that have friends from when we were, were young. I was an army brat, so... I really didn't make any lasting friendships through middle school. And when we finally settled, when I was in eighth or ninth grade, you know, totally new school, huge school, don't know anybody. But at this point, I'm so good at making friends because of all the traveling. A lot of army brats are like that. We traveled and you had to make do with what was going on around you. And in part of this episode, I will have different folks that are going to share some special moments in their friendships. And I want to talk about the kind of, I think I've said this, the good, bad, and ugly in friendships and how things can change. And some of your dearest friends you may have met recently, there are friendships I know that have lasted for 50, 60 years. And I'm proud to say I have some friendships like that. I've also lost several friendships the past couple of years. I had a lot going on in my personal life. And I think that I've taken the time to grow. You've heard about my journey on my my therapy journey and working with my spiritual coach. And through all this time, as I'm I'm healing, I'm learning, and it's hard work, I start looking at friendships differently. One, because I've changed. And if that person may not have changed themselves, I mean, they can do, you know, everybody gets to be who they want to be. But when I start recognizing that maybe that person is no longer the fit that it, it, it could be in a friendship. You know, we all deserve to have good, healthy relationships with people in our lives. These are the things that keep us going, people that support us, people that care about us. 
people that are not going to backstab you or try to harm you in any way because of their issues. So what I'd like to do is I want to start off with sharing one of the narratives that one of the uh, the folks that I selected to share their friendship story. The first one, this is going to be Beth. And when she met her lifelong friend, Lisa. I want to talk to you about my friend, Lisa. We met at a mutual friend's birthday party. She was in eighth grade and she was having, she had a slumber party. There is a weird way to get to the rec room, which is their garage that they had refurbished. You had to go through a bathroom. You had to go through her bedroom, through a bathroom, through this hallway to get into that, into that rec room. So Lisa and I just ended up sitting on the floor of that bathroom the night of that birthday party and just talked to get to know each other. And I, I mean, I'd heard of her, but you know, it's eighth grade. It's the end of junior high. And I'm talking to this girl in a bathroom on a floor at a slumber party. And really it was a heart to heart. And that was my first impression of her. And we became great friends. We became best friends. And I told you, I don't like that term best friends because of all the pressure that implies and just the life changing. And I was 13. So for the time we did, we started high school. I met somebody else who I started hanging with and Lisa saw me through that, knew that she was going to hurt me and she did. And, you know, continued to love me and be my friend through that. And then she moved to the other side of the state. We grew up outside of Chicago and she moved over to the, what are they called? The quad cities. In high school, we we kept in touch and I would go out and visit her. And then we started college together and we were going to go to one college. And then she decided to go somewhere else to college. And I always tell people, how did I pick my college? Through my friend, Lisa. Lisa decided to go to Illinois State. So I went to Illinois State and we lived together. And that was probably the biggest mistake we ever made because we loved each other, but we were not compatible for living with each other. And I moved out on her. I was like, well, I can't deal with you. I can't put my finger on it, but it was it was a break in an injury to our friendship and it lasted for a couple of years, but she still loved me. You know, I guess we still loved each other, but I didn't realize it. And then we just went through life and we would keep together and connect. She'd come in and visit in Wheaton, because I've lived here all my life. And it, we would connect every once in a while. But then she had her daughter, and I had my youngest daughter a year later. And somehow we connected and and I would go out and visit her and I would take my youngest with me. And so her daughter and my daughter, they grew up being friends because Lisa and I at that point realized, okay, this is a lifelong friendship. This is a lifelong love. And Lisa has always worn her heart on her sleeve with me and, you know, just said that this is a friendship where you can call me at three o'clock in the morning and say, bring bail money. And I won't question it. I will fly across the country to be there. We just kept visiting each other and our kids, thank God our kids liked each other. (laughs) So we would spend birthday parties, you know, birthdays together and whatnot through the years. Our kids are now in their twenties. And I guess where I, you know, she's, she's just always been somebody that I can call on. It's not somebody I talk to every day, but 
when I talk to it, it's always wonderful. And I love to go visit with her. I have a very small house. She doesn't come and visit me. <laughs> There's no room, but she's got, you know, she's got room in. So I go and visit her and it's always a, a respite. She has a suite sort of in her basement that her maiden name is Lorenz. And so it was, um, it's the Lorenz suite in her house. And so she goes, you know, the Lorenz suite is always there for you. And I'm like, thank you. You know, so now I drive my kid to Minnesota. She lives in Wisconsin. We stop and have lunch on the way up or down. We're really just defined. I started appreciating that friendship in the time when our kids were growing and we were, you know, keeping connected that way. But when Antero was in the hospital, you know, I had posted online. It's like, you know, thanks for all the support. I really cannot talk. I was just not in a place to be able to accommodate people's well wishes. I, I, they were salve for my soul. And she just continuously sent me messages. You don't have to answer. She would always say, you don't have to answer. You don't have to reply. You just need to know that I love you and that I'm thinking of you and that I'm here when you need me and blah, blah, blah. And so that's why I say she relentlessly loved me because she's just been that way. And so that is my friend, Lisa, the relentless lover of Beth. Very, very sweet story. Very, very special relationship. That's something special, I think, and rare. I want to share a a story. When I was not being the friend that I should have been, this was uh, a few years ago, and it was a, a new friendship at work. And my friend said to me, she told me something. She says, please don't share this with anybody. This is just you know, for us. I'm like, okay, no problem. And then by the end of the day, I had shared what she told me. You know, I will say that I don't think I was like purposely like, okay, great. Now, who can I tell? What it was is I wasn't thinking. I wasn't considering what she said at all. I basically blew her off. A few days later, she said, did you say something to somebody about this? And I was like, oh, God, I did. I'm sorry. I told so-and-so about it. That was kind of the end of the conversation. And then like the next day, she said, hey, can we go get some coffee? Sure. Let's go get some coffee. So, So we're having some coffee. And she says, you know, when I told you that, I asked you not to tell anybody. But you did. And I said, I know. And I can't believe I did that to you. I'm so sorry. I I was embarrassed. I thought, I mean, I I think of myself as this great friend, but then here's this example right in front of me. And she was really hurt. And then I was like getting weepy because I was just so embarrassed. But I said, I am sorry. I'll never do that again. I'm so sorry. A few days later, we're talking She's kind of a little standoffish. And a few days later, we just kind of talked again. And she just said, it's just still bothering me. And I, you know, and I said, I am, I'm sorry. Yeah, I said, hey, you have every right to be upset. And what I knew is that it was just going to take her a while to get over it. Because, I mean, I just flat out disrespected her. I am proud to say that we are friends, still friends, and even better friends. I'm grateful that she was able to forgive me 
for herself, of course, but one, she was able to talk to me in a way that didn't get my ires up, that didn't make me feel defensive. She just flat out said, I asked you not to do this. You did, and you hurt me. I'm grateful that she was able to do it that way because I don't know how I would have responded. But I'm grateful for that lesson. I'm grateful for our friendship. I'd like to go to the uh, second narrative. This is going to be Kathleen and Victoria. They are both on my uh, newsletter. Victoria is my neighbor and good friend. But she and Kathleen have been friends for a very long time. And Kathleen came to me separately to talk about, you know, this exact relationship and V did too. So I'll go ahead and let you listen to these two talk about this friendship. And we do have a friendship thing. Yeah. 50 plus years, huh? Yeah. Well, since 71, when my family moved to Kirkwood from a little town in North Texas, the middle of our junior year in high school. And I moved from a little high school where I had known almost everyone for most of my life and was a kind of a medium good sized frog in a small pond to Kirkwood, which was an ocean. I'm having a visual as you as a frog. (laughs) (laughs) Then I was on the drill team and in all the right clubs and, you know, was in a life that I had grown up in since I was little. And then we moved to the big city. And that was pretty scary. And I laughed and said, I made my parents pay for it for a long time. But we had moved into our home and it was not very long after that, that you came to the door. Yeah. Cause what happened was my mother. So we, we lived in the same neighborhood and it was a pretty active neighborhood. There were, a lot of families that had lived there for many, many years. So everybody knew each other and the house you moved into the family that moved, they didn't move far away, but they had a daughter who was a year older than me. Her name is Tammy. I still know her and she moved away. So I was used to having a friend down there. So I remember my mom saying to me, you know, that there's a family that just moved in to the, to Tammy's house. And I believe they have a daughter your age. So I just hightailed it right down to the house, knocked on the door, and your beautiful, lovely mother answered, and I introduced myself. I said, hi, I'm Vicki, and I think I heard that you have a daughter my age. And she looks at me and doesn't skip a beat, and she said, oh, bless you, child. And I just kind of looked at her, and she said, let me go get her. I mean, she couldn't get you fast enough. So she was so ready for me to get out of that house. So yeah, I mean, I imagine now, of course, I know your mother so well, and she was probably heartbroken that you were so heartbroken. And no, so was probably tired of me sobbing in my room. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I remember coming to the door, and I okay. had this vile green poncho on, and Crochet. my face. 
swollen. Yes, crocheted. And my face was swollen. I had been crying, sobbing. And you said, get your coat on and let's get out of here. And I think we went to your house. That was the first time we had been to your, the first time I'd been out of the house. Wow. Yes. And what's amazing, Kathleen, is that, again, after that, it was like, I don't know what we talked about or how we found out that we were such a good match, but we did. And we so from so there, similar, I don't understand yeah. it either. And I was so grateful, still am grateful to you that you did that for me and took me out and everywhere you went, whether I was invited or not, you took me along and literally saved my life. Well, you know, and I had lived in Kirkwood my entire life. So everybody I knew, I'd known either since kindergarten or at least middle school or junior high at the time. So I had a lot of longtime friends, but you and I became inseparable. We did. We were together all the time. Yeah. And you actually had a different group of friends than I did after a while. But that That's didn't true. stop. That no. didn't stop. We stayed friends. Yeah, and we did. I mean, it really, you think about it, that year and a half was really the only time we were together. Yeah, well, that's We were true. together for a couple of summers during college. But then I moved away. And really, that was the only time we were together often. And yeah. so you know, for us to have sustained that friendship. Wow. I never thought that. I know. Well, you mean, yeah, because we obviously, we went to different colleges right after high school. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Also, I was thinking, because I got so close to your mom. Oh, my mom loved you. Well, I remember coming to your house and she played piano and Mm -hmm. I was, in awe of her piano skills. And I remember sitting next to her at the piano and her playing for me. So all of that happened in a year and a half. And now here we are. I know. And going forward, I mean, when you said, you know, you saved me, well, you've done the same for me. I mean, in particular, when I went through my horrible divorce and you were the one person that, you know, expressed you can do this. I have faith in you. I trust you. You didn't try to give me advice unless I asked for it. Right. And it was just that vote of confidence that gave me so much strength to do what I knew I had to do. I think that's what's so amazing and wonderful and sustaining about our friendship is that you know, we've always been in each other's corner. No matter what happened, we could always depend on each other. We are always there for each other. There was not one single time that I called you that you were not there for me. Yeah. And, you know, that's pretty unusual over the course of (gasps) over five decades. (laughs) Yes, it is. It sure is. And, you know, we've, both had different lives too. I mean, very different trajectory of our lives, but it didn't matter. We, I mean, we had 
so much in common. And, and now when I really think about it, so I haven't really thought about this, how amazing that is. When you look at how many people have been in our lives over the last 50 years, and, you know, especially for me, because I've lived in so many places in the last 50 years and made friends and made good friends. But this friendship has been like a, a true line throughout my whole adulthood. And I don't have anybody else I can say that about beside my family and my brothers, you have been the one constant through my entire adult life. I just find that to be so astounding and so beautiful that we've had that together. Well, and isn't it fun to have this opportunity to really explore and dissect our friendship. So April, thank you <laughs> for I having know, this. I appreciate it too. What do you think is, is one of the major things that has kept this friendship for so long, Vic? Wow, that's a great question. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is just, and this is the easy answer, but just unconditionally loving oh, each yeah. other. Mm-hmm. So there's that basis. Sure. And then know for me and like I know like you you have a lot of people in your family that you you give advice to because you know that you you know more than most people I'm an oldest child (laughs) I think everybody should do what I say but you have never done that with me I don't know if it's because I, I don't know why but that's huge for me that I I can use you as a sounding board and not be judged and then not have unsolicited advice, but we can talk through things. Well, I, I completely feel strongly that, you know, I just know that every, everything we do, there's not judgment in it for each other. I think that we all we do have that unconditional friendship and I trust I trust your reactions to things, I trust your judgment, I trust your ability to do the things you want to do and I I think that you know that you feel the same way about me. I think that we like I said we've just always been in each other's corner and there's just not that many people in our lives, we can say that about. I would agree. And that gives a real feeling of safety, I guess. I think so, so too. That's a good word to use. That's absolutely true. I feel completely safe in your friendship. Yeah. That's a wonderful yep. thing to have. It is. And, you know, I've been able to watch your kids grow up. I've been able to, you know, see you with your grandkids. And to me, that's such a treasure in my life. You know how much I love your kids. And, you know, that's just, it's part of the beautiful concept of the whole relationship. It's just that we have seen each other grow through all of these stages in our life together. And it's just really, really cool. Plus, we've been there for deaths. We've been there for both of us have lost our parents, you've lost a child, 
And it's just, we've been there for each other in the really glorious times and also in the really devastating and hard times. Oh, yes. And, you know, I just have to bring up this um, one other thing about when you mentioned I've lost a child during her lifetime when I was having, going through all of her (laughs) missteps and mishaps. And what did I do? I sent her to go stay with you. For a couple, she was mine from the time she was born. So I came to you when she was born. Yes, ma'am. And so, so, I mean, how many people can you say I felt safe enough that I, my troubled child, I said, can you take her for a couple of weeks and see if you can find some things out or give me some ideas of how to deal with her? I mean, think about how huge that is. I know. We love her so much. And Bob and I still have funny stories we tell and laugh about her time with us. And so she's still in our hearts. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm forever indebted to you for that. So I'm just grateful that I was a part of her life and, you know, that I was able to have her in my life with her short life. It was meaningful to me. Yeah. Well, things don't get more beautiful than that. So I think no. that pretty describes our friendship. Yes, that's it, Kathleen. Love you, Vic. Love you too. Talk to Thanks you soon. You. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Makes me a little teary-eyed. I also want to talk about uh, some other relationships that have changed dramatically. And I don't know if the relationships will continue. But like I said, I've, I've been growing and behavior that was acceptable from people when I first started this journey, it's no longer acceptable to me. I allowed people to treat me a certain way because I didn't want to confront anybody. I didn't want to cause a scene. I didn't respect myself enough. And I finally just got really hurt because I allowed that to to go on. I ended up talking to these friends and, and we met. And the bottom line is that there's love there. There's no question. But that same friendship or the friendship that I thought it was, it wasn't. And there's nothing to do about that except to accept it, acknowledge it, continue to love but that they're not in my life the same way. And I think that's better for everybody to, to move on and find the best relationships you can. That's the best thing for everybody. This third story is brief, sweet, and important. Stacy's interview. Friendship is about, you know, people being there when you need them and being selfless. So a number of years back when I was still in school, I was in um, law school, actually, I was living in a, an apartment building in Boston and it got broken into, not, not my unit, but um, a unit on my floor. 
So that, that made me a little bit nervous. And a friend of mine, her name is Lisa, who was a couple of years ahead of me in law school. She also, in fact, she had graduated and she had an apartment in another part of Boston. And she offered to allow me to live with her for the summer until my lease ran out and I got another apartment. So I think that was a sign of a true friend. I'm wondering, are there any of you that are in relationships right now that you're thinking they just might not be good for you, that maybe something has to change? You love them, but they're not working in your life. They're not giving you positive energy. And that is a difficult situation to be in, but you have to nurture yourself. You have to take care of yourself. And that includes the energy around you, the people around you, the people you allow in your life. And it's hard. It's being brave. You know, I've always said it doesn't mean it's not scary, but ultimately it will be worth it for you and for anybody else who is in your life. If you're doing the best thing for yourself, then that's the best for everybody else in your life. You know, you want to keep toxic people out of your life. And that's different for different people. Though, you know, the the bottom line is if someone is making you feel less than or you're allowing them to make you feel less than, that's something to look at, to take a look at that. And I want to go to the next story. This is Mary talking about what friendship really means to her. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about some women that I have known for the past, holy tamale, 27 years. 27 years ago on the internet, there were a bunch of people that were pregnant due at the same time, and we started a community. Since then, We have met practically every year for reunions. Some years we've skipped, for instance, COVID. But the thing that really exemplified what these relationships were and what what we meant to each other was when one of our members died. She was Jewish. And in the Jewish community, we get things tied up very quickly. So we're from all over the world. But for that funeral, we had Maine, Florida, um, Washington State, San Diego, and many, many places in between managed to show up near Washington, D.C. within two days. One of our families that lived right over in Maryland put out the word that we're family. Anybody that wants to stay here can. We have a few extra beds. But when we realized that it was just like each of these women was like, I'm going to be where I need to be for my friend, where I need to be for her boys, because we all felt like ants to those boys and where we needed to be for each other. And we weren't looking at how much is a hotel room when you pull it off at the last minute or, oh, my gosh, a flight, an emergency flight. It was just we are going because 
not only did we need to represent ourselves to her family, we also needed to be together. The other thing is I want to talk about taking care of the friendships in your life, making sure that you treat them with the proper respect and love. That's with every relationship that you're, you're in. If it's important enough, then it's worth nurturing. You know, recently, there's a lot on the news about people that are lonely, that there's this huge percentage of our population, people that are lonely or they feel alone. And it's a sad thing, but I think that a lot of that has to do with who you've decided to have in your life. Again, it takes energy and like energy to have positive people toward you in your life. And this is obvious, of course, I'm going to say is that, you know, the best friendship is the, the relationship you have with yourself. There are issues of depression, you know, that I've, I've talked about, and I think it's, it's almost like an epidemic. People don't know what to do. And I know part of that is having the right people in your life, thinking about seeking some help or some guidance, because a lot of us, a lot of, you know, single households with, you know, four-legged babies, but I, I think it's really important, even if it's, you know, one or two people that you care about, that you can trust, you don't have to have a gazillion people around you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying that any people in your life, you have to look at those relationships and decide, is that something that's harming you? Is that something that's not making you feel good? You know, take a look at different things in your life and make active decisions about those things. Okay, I have one more story here. And this one is from Cindy. It all began in July of 2015. A couple of years earlier, I had moved to New York City and I was constantly on tour and I was feeling really lonely and I didn't really have an opportunity to make friends. Well, July of 2015 came around and my friend Barb said, you have to meet B. B is fantastic. And I'm like, okay, I'll meet B. Now, two months prior to me meeting B, I had had a major surgery. So I wasn't walking terribly well and I wasn't in the best shape, but I knew in my soul that I had to meet this wonderful woman named B. Her full name is Beatrice Perkins. So we met in July of 2015. We met in Hoboken, New Jersey, and it was instant love. I still remember I was wearing my red dress and we were jumping around and we were dancing together and laughing together. And as the months progressed, we continued to develop our friendship And being that I'm single and alone in this country and my family are in another country and I didn't have support, I was progressively getting worse with my recovery. And it got to the point by November where Beatrice said, you should just come live with me and her at the time husband, Darren. And I said, but you just met me. 
And she says, yeah, but you need a place to live and you're not well enough to take care of yourself. And this alone is a remarkable thing that she did is to invite me to come live with her. And she's like, don't worry about rent. Don't worry about anything. We'll just take care of you. That alone is remarkable. What's even more remarkable is that three weeks or two weeks before she said that, she had a brain aneurysm. She herself was in the hospital. I had gone to visit her in the hospital. I'm sitting cuddling with her in her hospital bed, and I'm doing Reiki and energy work and healing work and helping her and breathing with her. And she was asking me what's going on. I'm like, I'm just not really, I'm getting worse and worse. And she's like, you need to just come live with me and Darren, her at the time husband. I don't know who on this planet who just meets a person and four or five minutes later invites him to live with them. And I don't know who in their right mind is lying in a hospital bed, nearly alive, just survived brain aneurysm and is saying, come live with me and we'll recover together. And my husband will take care of us. It was the most remarkable thing. And so two weeks later, I moved in and Darren was really happy because I had a car. So he had instant access to a car. So that made me feel good because he likes to drive. And I'm like, you now have my car. So I felt like I was able to contribute in that way. But it was one of the most remarkable gifts that I was ever given. And I was there for a few months. And then I went back up on, I went back out on my own. And two months later, my body was collapsing again. And I had a different friend take me in. (laughs) But I'm going to finish the B story is that with B, until today, we are still friends. Um, I'm recording this currently in Paris, France. And right before I left, we met up once again, where we had met in Hoboken for our anniversary. And it was so beautiful. And we just spent, we had a beautiful lunch at Honey Grow. And we're still dear friends. And she's one of the most remarkable people. I'll never forget her. And then a second friend. So I was visiting my second friend up at his cottage, my friend, Alvin Wilson. We had met in a meditation class years before. And I was getting worse again, because again, I didn't have the support I needed. And I collapsed. And I still remember I was lying on his bed, collapsed. And he said, you can't go home. He's like, you just need to stay here. And he's very wealthy. And he said, I have you know, groundskeepers. I have a mate that comes in every few days. He's like, my people will take care of you. And he went back to the city and he gave me this beautiful cottage in the middle of the mountains where I can be at peace and where I can rest and where I can heal. And again, for another four or five months, I truly sit here as somebody who's an immigrant to the U.S. You know, it's hard enough to be an immigrant in a new country. It's hard enough not having family, not having friends, And while I didn't have a lot of friends at the time, I have plenty now, but, you know, to have these two remarkable human beings who, you know, well, Alvin and I were best friends, but B and I barely knew each other, say, I'm going to just take care of you. I really, I really truly have no words. And it's things that I will never forget ever for the rest of my life. And hopefully I've been able to give back in my own way and pay it forward. But Truly, there is no no better love and friendship than people who are there no matter what. Cindy's story reminds me that there is still humanity in this world. Look at what an open heart gives you, a lifelong friendship. So, mid-bloomers, 
that's the end of the uh, stories. I I thank my guests for being so vulnerable and willing to to share these important relationships in their life. And I hope that this helps anyone who, if they're struggling recognizing what a good relationship is, it's really how does it make you feel and go from there. I, again, thank you all for your support. This is my 24th episode. I finished my first season. Ah, I'm just freaking out. I'm freaking out. <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good. I hope that you've gotten anything from these things. I hope you've gotten some good laughs from some of the things I've talked about. Know that I will have some bonus material and some teasers coming out over the next couple of months just to make sure you don't forget me. Please share my podcast with your friends, with people you think that will enjoy it and get something from it. Here's an opportunity if there are episodes you've missed to go back and start listening to some of those. As I've always said, let me know if there's a topic or something that you'd like me to cover. I already have in mind to finish talking about the therapy, talking about self-care always, my mom being ill, dealing with the healthcare system, going through that process. I want to talk about the struggles some of us have with addictive behavior. And I'm talking about eating, drugs, shopping, whatever it may be that tries to fill something in you. And it doesn't work, of course. So thank you guys. Have a wonderful summer. You keep listening, and I will keep creating the content that I love and I hope you love. Thank you for joining me today on Living in Midbloom. I hope you found this episode insightful, meaningful, and maybe it's given you something to think about. I invite you to share your positive reviews or ideas on topics you would like me to touch on by leaving your comments on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, Podchaser, or Podcast Addict. We are all divine beings who just want to be seen, heard, and loved. Have a beautiful day.